Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. In this podcast, we're here to share with you the mental skills you need to help improve your performance and get your head back in the game. We'll offer practical applications and diverse perspectives to help you apply these mental skills to your life. Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. We have a special guest with us today. Um, really excited, Lauren Ammon. Uh, Lauren is a former Division I athlete. She was a swimmer at Eastern Michigan University, um, was the team captain. Uh, she currently owns Performance Reimagined, where she works with a number of athletes of all ages, uh, on the mental side of, of things. Uh, so she's mental performance coach, and she's here today to uh, discuss a few topics uh, on, the, the, um, on mental performance training and, and some of the skills that she works with athletes on uh, and a number of other topics. So Lauren, thanks for joining us. Oh, Rob, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So I usually, with any of my guests who are kind of in the field, I love to jump in and just really first talk about how you got um, started in the, the field um, in mental performance training. Uh, and one of the things that I saw on your website that I loved was a, a quote that you had said, it took me nearly 40 years to get out of my own head, um, which kind of hit home for, for me as well. But yeah, if you could just share a little bit on how you got started um, in, in the field. Yeah, well, it actually starts when I was five years old and my mom threw me into the pool when she needed something <laughs> to do with me while I was at mm-hmm. my older sister's swim meets. Yeah. And, you know, it as just the universe would have it, I fell in love with the sport. There was nothing else I wanted to do. I was, there was never any pressure to try anything else, but also never any pressure to be all in either. That was something that I just found for myself. And 17 years later, uh, you know, I graduated from Eastern Michigan University as a team captain, as you said a high school state championship when I was in high school and a top three finisher in the MAC conference. And I remember upon quote unquote forced retirement, right? Uh, when I graduated thinking to myself, gosh, there was so much more I could have given more from the mental side versus the physical side. And, but at that point, right, you can't go back and you can't rewrite it. So Mm -hmm. it's a matter of kind of taking a lesson learned and moving on. So went into corporate America, did my thing and Uh, human resources for about 15 years and just found it wasn't my space. I never felt really comfortable. I always felt really anxious and I could never pinpoint why until later, which we'll get to. Uh, And being exposed to executive coaching, I thought, well, that it seems like a really interesting career path. And what I realized as I went through that experience, one, it was, yes, obviously learn how to coach professionally, coach others in a more professional space, but really a self-discovery journey of, oh, I'm still yearning for that connection to sports, but I couldn't yet still articulate what that looked like. Mm-hmm. So I established my practice at the time, really focused on leadership development and career transition, because that's what I knew professionally. Yep. And then a week before the Olympics started, I just happened to say to someone, 
my business mentor, I wonder what it would be like to work with athletes, right? I was starting to still, or I was still scratching that itch somehow, but it just kind of came out of my mouth, literally out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting right. it. And then a week later, it was the night that Simone Biles removed herself from competition. It was the same night that Katie Ledecky won gold in the 1500 meter freestyle for the first time ever in the women's uh, division, right? So mm -hmm. in the 1500. And she had a really disappointing swim. And it was the same night that Michael Phelps came on and said to the world, oh, competing at this level is really overwhelming. We just want someone who listens, someone who allows us to be vulnerable and doesn't want to fix us. And in that moment, it was that eureka of, that's it. This is, this is the scratch I've been dying to itch for so long. Right. And in that moment, I said, okay, it, this is my calling to work with athletes, to train their minds like they train their bodies, bringing mm -hmm. in the first half of my life or the second half of my life sure. and finally realizing this was my purpose. Absolutely. So one of the, uh, well, I guess a couple of questions. So were you first kind of doing something similar in the business world? Were, like a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the way that I look at it, performance is performance is performance, yeah. right? Yeah. There's, there's always this, connection between stressors we feel and the performance that we exude, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what even I work on with athletes can be transitioned to the business world and vice versa. And it right. was just that eureka moment of, oh, I can totally transition what I'm teaching and what I'm working with in leaders back yeah. to the sports world. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. And the other kind of thing you hit on there that comes up a lot, I think, um, with athletes and I, I've been seeing it more and more with the, the work I'm doing kind of that identity. Right. And, and mm -hmm. like you said, the, when sports are done, right. Whether that's, you know, high school for some college for others, you know, if you're lucky enough to kind of go beyond that. Um, but at some point there's an expiration date. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of times and a lot of what, what I'm sure you see is defining the person, the athlete defines themselves as an athlete, right? As a hockey player, a swimmer, baseball player. Um, and when that's taken away, uh, either through retirement or, or in some cases through injury um, to kind of figure out what's next and, and to also kind of understand the, the fact that sports are a piece of what they do. It's a part of, of who they are, but not entirely. Right. And mm -hmm. I think some, sometimes athletes have a real difficult time kind of making that transition. Yeah. And that, that is what sparked the, it took nearly 40 years to get out of yeah. my own head is it wasn't until I started really diving into this space and, and transitioning all of my life experiences together from my athletic life, life and my non-athletic life. And yeah. that's when it dawned on me of, oh, I was still working a little bit in my head because of never having truly let go mm -hmm. or fully processed my experience as an athlete. And it wasn't until I had that aha moment of, oh my gosh, there was still a part of me still kind of living in that space. And it goes back to that mm -hmm. scratch never being itched and couldn't quite necessarily really right. figure out where the disconnect was on the professional level 
when I was in HR. And that's when it dawned on me of, yeah, there was still a part of my identity wrapped up in that. I didn't know how to completely process that. But then I realized, oh my goodness, this is an opportunity to really support the athletic world in a different way mm-hmm. to almost pre-plan for that as a current athlete right. to really be able to process your experience as you go versus just kind of archiving them, right? I, mm-hmm. I, well, that happened. We'll put that one away or that happened. Yeah. I put that one away. Um, right. Really processing that experience. So once that retirement is there in the hopes of making that transition, somewhat easier, but at least creating a whole new level of awareness mm-hmm. that it is a process to process, right? Sure. It is experience, collective experiences to process and to formally go through something right. to relieve yourself of what you went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, one of the struggles I, I think with, you know, especially when you're still playing, right? You, you, you're playing, you're not thinking of what, you know, what, happens when when this is over and um you know like you said the the process of it and i think for for some they or probably for a lot i mean they don't really ever go through that process until it's over right and then it's like well now what um you know and it's not about not trying to go as far as you can um in in whatever sport you're you're competing at but I think it's also being realistic and kind of, you know, understanding, you know, while you're playing, right. The other um, things that kind of make up who you are and to not get kind of caught in that trap of, you know, this is, this is it, this is who I am. And, you know, that's who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Cause you know, unfortunately that's not the case for a lot of people. Right, right. And you hit on something really poignant too of, you know, when an athlete is currently competing, it makes total sense to be all in mentally of of competing, right? You don't want to, you know, be thinking about, oh gosh, when this is over, particularly, Right. right, that can affect your performance, but you hit on it in terms of that's where the processing really starts to begin of honor yourself as an athlete in this space. Mm -hmm but also recognize your strengths exist outside of the sport as well and being as well and being able to create that balance mm-hmm. a little sooner before the inevitable comes yeah i lo- that's that's the key word there and and something that needs to be promoted i think more and more is balance um you know i i think you know i know when i was growing up playing hockey and then into cut like and and more so nowadays I mean it consumes the part you know the the individual right so Mm -hmm. it's you know if you're in school it's school and the sport and that's kind of it um and you know really promoting the idea of of balance and finding balance and you you know yeah again you're going to be spending a lot of time if you're playing at a high level competing at a high level training um you know doing your sport again if you're in school but there there needs to be like outlets there needs to be other things that the person's involved in um not only to i think get away from the sport once in a while but but like you said to develop other things and and um you know 
kind of contribute to the the other identities um, that we have. Yeah, it's it's a matter of in creating an identity that includes athletics right. versus is the root of the identity. Exactly. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of going off that a little bit, uh, uh, one of the other things I kind of caught on your website at one point was, was you talking about like strengths, right? And an athlete's strengths. And so I was just curious how you kind of incorporate that in your approach when you're helping athletes, like use, uh, utilizing their strengths to help them, um, you know, develop kind of a strong mental game. Yeah. Well, as you know, every athlete is, is a unique individual. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, when working with them, we, we pinpoint and highlight first and foremost what their strengths are. So regardless of the individual nuances that they carry as strengths, yeah. there's some consistency among athletes in terms of their resilience. You know, that, that is one of the, the greatest strengths of any athlete. And really talking about from a physical standpoint, athletes are great at that, right? Get knocked down, get right back up. But where that can work against an athlete mentally is not taking the time to fully process that. Mm -hmm. So we work on showing them how that strength already serves them physically and translate that to the mental side of the game. So, you know, we work with them to really focus on there's value in processing both wins and great performances as well as losses and poor performances. Mm -hmm. Because what can happen with athletes, and I'm guilty of it, and I'm sure majority of, of the rest of us, or the rest are as well, is getting caught up in the win, right? You know, living in the win and, and not necessarily being able to see anything beyond that, which can lead to, you know, some say complacency, which I can kind of see, but I also see it leading towards fear of maybe not being able to accomplish anything else, right? In terms of that was it, that was the moment, that was the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. And so working with athletes to fully process a win, but at the same time, and as every athlete knows, right, you kind of get in that, that slump following a bad performance and, you know, really looking at every athletic performance is a milestone marker versus the one and only end all be all outcome, right? right? So most athletes work towards that end of the season championship, whatever that is, regardless of mm -hmm. the sport. And so all the milestones are all the performances and outcomes along the way are milestones to really see where your performance is looking at the whole. Right. And then once you get to that championship season, depending on how it goes, that too is a milestone marker, right? right? There's something else beyond that. It may not necessarily be athletics because you may have gotten to that point of, of retirement, mm -hmm. but it's a clue as to, you know, your overall performance as an athlete and what you're capable of moving forward. Right. So resilience is one of those strengths that we, we reframe in a way to say, you've got it physically because that is what you're designed to do. Mm -hmm. How do you translate to the mental side of the game and working yeah. with them to help them to, to see that your brain is just as trainable Mm -hmm. as your muscles right yeah yeah I, and and those two th when we were talking about like identity and and this strength stuff and the winning and losing right those are so connected um mm -hmm. you know again if we're defining ourselves as solely an athlete um you know 
those wins and losses start to really become so important, right? If we're, mm-hmm. if we're not winning, right, what does that say then about us, right? Mm-hmm. That we're not good enough. We're, you know, um, and so I like what you're saying there about, like, that's not the be all end all. There's this, again, process, right, that we're, we're going through. There's, um, you know, losing and failure is a huge part of sports but life right and then Mm -hmm. and kind of how do we take from each of those things to just get better um throughout our process so yeah i think that's you know again to your point with the resiliency um being able to connect like the physical part and the the mental side of things yeah Uh, and another strength that's pretty innate right across most athletes is the concept of motivation and mm -hmm. discipline and determination. And, you know, again, translating those traits from a mental point of view of, of becoming disciplined in incorporating mental exercises or breath work exercises or things that athletes may not normally attribute to high performance, such as things like yoga, Mm -hmm. consistent meditation, right? Things that athletes are like, well, that doesn't get my heart rate up. Why would I want to do that sort of thing, right? But it's those moments of being able to take a break and being able to train your mind and your whole being Mm -hmm. in the area of things that you may not, again, attribute to performance and helping them realize that those strengths can be translated to looking at the entire athlete. And that's why from a, you know, our company and our mission is really looking at a holistic athlete versus just your strengths on the field, on the pitch, court, pool, right. whatever you're doing mm-hmm. um, and being able to translate and show and reframe all of that in a different way. And, and co- going back to the discipline, the motivation and the termination, how then do you translate that mentally mm-hmm. so that you can get in a routine and habit practice, pre-game, game, post-game to keep yourself moving and disciplined in that respect. Right. Yeah. And all, and the, the exercises, the strategies, like you said, you can train your mind just as much as you train your body. And it's, it's that discipline and motivation to actually do so though. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, similar to the physical side of things. I mean, I bring this up a lot to the younger athletes like if you know if you were expecting for a hockey player to become a better skater and you practice once a month like you probably probably wouldn't get there um or get to where you want to be same thing physically if you're in the gym you know once in a while every month or so right so kind of taking that same approach with the mental side of things yeah it's exactly it and i think yeah kind of I don't know what you're kind of seeing, you know, with the athletes you're working with. I mean, another kind of question I like to to ask the coaches that that I talk to is, you know, um, the buy-in, right, sometimes for for clients and athletes and what that looks like, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that can be the biggest hurdle, Yeah. right? Um, You know, particularly with um, modern athletes or the current, you know, generation of athletes of – you know, they've been through a lot, mm-hmm. right? Those who are on the younger end of the spectrum have been through a lot, have been sure. through things that, you know, you and I could never fathom. I always yep. say that had someone told me I couldn't get in the pool for weeks or potentially even months on end right. for a global pandemic, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Um, and so the buy-in can be one of the hardest things. But again, 
you know, you're starting to see, I was actually having a conversation uh, with a, a dear friend and strategic partner of mine who works with athletes as a, as a scout and recruiter. Okay. Of, that can be the biggest part of like getting them to open up and start sure. to have more deep and vulnerable conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that can stem from, I don't know if it's necessarily a lack of trust, but a lack of, or maybe a, a deeper fear of judgment around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when being more vulnerable, what might that bring into my world yeah. if others find out about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is such a, a big thing, uh, the vulnerability and, and trust, right? And um, we had another coach on at one point and, and they had said just, you know, obviously the things we're doing is just really relationship building. Right. Um, and something they, they also said that kind of has stuck with me is, you know, early on. Right. And especially cause you and I know this works and it, and it can be helpful and you want to kind of push it. Um, but you can't do that. Like, you, you know, you, you gotta let the athlete kind of come to it on their own and, you know, some will, some won't, but, you know, kind of just creating that relationship, that environment where, um, you know, they can, can be open-minded about it and maybe just give it a a try and see kind of how it helps them. Yeah. And you know what I've, a lot of the style that I've incorporated too, is that concept of planting seeds, right? We, We only change when our fear or discomfort of changing uh, is, is less than our fear of staying where we are. Right. Right. Um, so working with them and just having some open conversations in terms of planting a seed of a concept of something as simple as, you know, your brain can be trained just like your muscles. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, dropping a a question or something to leave them with to say, Hey, you don't have to believe this concept right now, right? You Mm -hmm. don't have to completely buy in. Sure. But what if next time, you know, you had a, a disappointing performance you know, the question you ask yourself is, what did I learn from this, mm-hmm. right? You know, interrupt the pattern of, oh, had I just, right. you know, been there a, a half a second earlier, or had I, whatever the case may be in the sport of rather than focus on what you didn't do or what you wish you would have done, mm-hmm. of simply asking the question, hey, when you're in the middle of it, just ask yourself out loud, what did I learn from that experience? Right. And just giving them little bite-sized pieces mm-hmm. to just chew on and yeah. see if it works for them in those instances. Right. Cool. Um, are there any, I mean, maybe what you just said there is one of them, but any specific little strategies um, that you kind of utilize or you, that are your go-tos, um, you know, when working with athletes, just for some of the athletes that listen to the podcast? Yeah. And this is a, this is a big part of my journey because for the longest time, even as an athlete and, um, after, like I always, I didn't necessarily buy into visualization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just wasn't a thing. I, I, yeah. I couldn't get myself there. Right. And then it just so happens. Uh, one time, one of my experiences, what I had, I had a dream about a race the morning okay. before I, I raced it mm-hmm. and completely unconscious, obviously. And when I, I remember the dream being able to feel the race 
and concentrating I, my unconscious concentrating more on that versus a time or yeah. a technique or strategy. Right. And so the very next morning I dove in and I swam the race exactly as it had been in my unconscious. I mean, down to a couple of seconds and it was okay. a mile, right? Yeah. I was swimming the mile. So a couple of seconds is like tenths of a second sure. in any shorter race. And it was this moment of, oh my God, that actually works. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I've shrug, I've, again, I've kind of struggled with it even after my athletic life, but that's what I'm starting to really come back to. Again, this 40 years of getting mm -hmm. my own head and that's a strategy of working with athletes of rather than focus on the outcome of that performance, right? Whether you win, you lose, or you play a certain way in the game, mm -hmm. visualize how you want to feel mm -hmm. during that, right? The power you take to the kicks or the run race or the power yeah. play, right? Um, and we're starting work with them, you know, getting into that more meditative, truly unconscious theta state of mm -hmm. allowing your inner knowing to take over and start to feel the way you want to feel physically. Right. And then working to translate that to the actual performance. And I've, I've actually seen that's been working really well. Good. Really just started incorporating that practice. But then what we've been doing before that is really the questions, right? Yeah. So at the end of a performance, journal about it. Mm -hmm. right? Ask yourself the questions. You know, what went really well during that? Mm -hmm. What do I wish had, would have gone differently? Right. How might I be able to control that in the future or change yeah. it in the future? And just getting, to, getting these athletes to start, as we were talking about before, being very intentional about the process mm -hmm. of a competition versus just, I show up, I'm here, I do it, I'm done. It's never going to, you know, it's over and nothing else can come from it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier about like pregame routine and stuff. And, and what you said there, I think is another thing that athletes kind of often overlook is they, they have in some cases kind of a routine to get them ready to compete. Um, but once the competition is over, that's like, that's the end of, of it. Right. And that's probably the most important part in terms of the mental side of things, um, that reflection piece that you're talking about. So if it's practice, a game, you know, whatever, like, you know, journal, I mean, that's again, something that I encourage as well, but you know, whether it's having a little notebook or you use your phone or whatever, but like, you know, having those moments after the game to not only, um, reflect and, you know what you're saying the what went well what maybe didn't go as well uh kind of planning ahead you know how can i do these things a little bit better in the future but then also that you know again back to like the identity stuff that transition right mm -hmm. from athlete it's over into my next kind of phase right yeah and not not and and being able to shut that off because it's not helpful you know after a certain time to be kind of carrying, you know, that with you long after you compete. Yeah. It, you know, I totally agree with you that the, the post game routine mm -hmm. is probably the most important part. And I would also argue that post practice routine, yep. you know, actually may be more important than sure. a pre game routine. Yep. 
you know, if we're put in order post game, post practice, pregame, right? Yep. And the reason I say that is because, and I don't know if you were this way, but I certainly was this way. Like my performance in practice could be off the charts amazing. And what I never realized until I was completely done with sports and well removed, as I had learned the skills to get myself out of my own head during practice. Mm-hmm. And part of that was because it didn't matter. Practice didn't matter, right? right. I, I, it was a playground. Mm-hmm. Do anything I want. I could try any strategy I want. Yeah. Take it out too fast. See what happens. Don't, you know, maybe hold off a little bit in the beginning. See what happens. Right. And what I didn't realize is that I had created strategies to shift my mental state in the middle of practice to enhance my performance. Mm-hmm. But I never sat down and you know, even just took 15 minutes following a practice to, Hey, how did I really shift that? Like what, 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 what about that experience allowed me to find a different gear? Mm-hmm. And that's why I say, I think it's the second most because it, that's what can help you in your pregame mm-hmm. and even during game routine or not during game routine, but during game mindset sure. of, Hey, if I need to shift, if I feel like I'm going down a slump that I can't get out of, what are some of the techniques I use in practice? to shift myself Mm -hmm. because in practice the outcome doesn't matter right but what happens is that mind muscle connection when it comes to a game we're so focused on the outcome that our bodies respond from a tense if our if our brain is tense then our body becomes tense Mm -hmm. and of course our performance is going to be effective affected yeah and so being able to kind of diagnose or or dissect maybe probably the better word of that post-practice routine Mm -hmm. and being able to add that during the game time right yeah and i and i mean practice right for for obviously the physical side of things but how important practice is for the mental like you're saying and and like it's not gonna be you know if you're going bad in a game or a meet or whatever and you're not used to like using these skills or strategies like it's going to be unlikely in that kind of environment and when you know stakes are now raised that you're going to just be able to turn it on so um you know being able to work on those things in a practice setting um and develop those tools so they're available to you when you most need them yeah and, you know, if, and I don't think a lot of athletes realize that and it kind of goes back to our strength conversation as well as developing strengths that they may not necessarily be aware right. of that they can shift, they can find a different gear, mm-hmm. particularly when the stakes aren't high, right? Yeah. It's just a matter of, Hey, I feel that I can find a different gear. I'm going to try something yep. and they're not conscious about what that looks like. And so uncovering some of those patterns to then translate it to when the stakes are a little higher Mm -hmm. and they have more access to that level of awareness. So my, here's the, the big question here, um, is if you could go back and talk to yourself in college, um, or maybe even at a younger age, you said you started when you were five or so, um, in terms of, you know, the importance of mental performance and having a a good mental game, what advice would you kind of give your younger self? What would you, what do you know now that wish you knew back then? Yeah. My answer to this question is always, um, 
your worth was established well before you became a swimmer. Mm -hmm. Swimming was just the outlet that allowed you to see it. Mm -hmm. And that, what that really means is, you know, when I, I tended to be a perfectionist when it came to being an athlete, every time I stepped on the block, mm -hmm. I needed to have the utmost performance. Right. And kind of that advice of your worth already exists, no matter what happens during this meet or during this race, you are still Lauren, you are still a valuable human being mm -hmm. whose worth is there. Right. Swimming is just your platform to see it. Others mm -hmm. choose art, others choose, you know, instruments or whatever sure. the case may be or find them, right? Um, and also that, that idea that your, your outcome, your performance outcomes are milestones, they're progress monitors versus the end all be all mm -hmm. of who and what you are and what you're capable of. And so take this as a learning opportunity that if you didn't perform to the level that you wanted, write it down, mm -hmm. think about it, talk about it with someone. And then of course, obviously, you know, that there are resources available to support you through this if you are not right. capable or even don't know how, I shouldn't say capable, don't know how mm -hmm. to process this information in a way that's really meaningful for you and will serve you moving forward. Right. Do you, do you think your younger self would have kind of, because we were talking before about like buy-in and all that, right? Do you feel like that would have been something you would have, you know, said, yeah, like mental game, like, I, you know, that I need that, that'll give me an edge. Um, it'll, it'll help me be a better swimmer, better person. Um, thoughts on that of just, yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, I think in moments, yes. Mm -hmm. Though I think probably it would have been a really hard sell for me. Sure. Um, To, to sit in a space and say, really, do you think you can really shift my mind? Mm -hmm. um, but I would like to believe that I would have been open enough that if a nugget had been dropped, right? Yep. And someone quote unquote challenged me to see something a different way. That uh, tends to be a motivator for me mm -hmm. is to challenge me. All right, well, I'll show you what I can do in this moment. That right. um, had that been tapped into, I think I would have been pretty responsive. Mm -hmm. It has been open to trying. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, you know, same thing. I mean, for myself, I, I think, I hope I would have been open-minded with it, but I, I can, and I say this all the time, like I needed that so much mm -hmm. when I was competing um, that again, I hope I would have been open-minded because I think it would have, I think it was a key piece that was missing for me, mm -hmm. um, you know, during my time playing. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I was younger, I don't know that I would have seen the same need. Right. So yeah. as I think back on mine, I think where it would have been most effective is following puberty, right. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of leading up to the 11, 12 years old, right. Your yeah. performance is just there, right. It, you know, yeah. it's just kind of naturally, but you know, once you go through some of those significant changes, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally, right? Some mm -hmm. of those are the most um, challenging moments, right? You know, not only shortly thereafter, but as you know, your body continues to change. And, and that's why, 
you know, I've really started working and really started honing in on working with high school aged athletes because mm-hmm. of that, because of those pinnacle years and those pinnacle moments yep. of, you know, creating awareness that you don't necessarily have to believe everything you think. Sure. And, you know, the, the, the inner critic is there for protection and there's a way to readjust the messages it sends in some of your toughest moments. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, this was awesome. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us and providing all the, the that information and um, some great, great concepts and ideas that I'm sure um, our listeners can, can utilize. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Rob. This is great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Facebook. We hope you can join us next time as we continue to discuss the mental skills that you need to get your mind back in the game and perform at your best.